and he taught me that Styx was one of the greatest American rock bands. They only caught a bad rap because most critics are cynical assholes. This is They're All Going to Laugh at Him, Episode 8. I'm Alex Sprague. And I'm Jess Geyer. And this week, we watched Big Daddy. <laughs> Every day, you say this week. This day, we watched Big Daddy. Because we're doing 60 days in a row, 60 Adam Sandler questions, all to answer <laughs> one question. What's up with Adam Sandler? Is he uh, the film world's Andy Warhol? Or is he the comedy world's Michael Bay? Let's dive in. Is that better? <laughs> that That's actually pretty good for an introduction. Hey, guess what? Comparatively. I wrote that one down. <laughs> that was my backup oh. written down one. <laughs> um, yeah, we're, uh, we're watching all these Adam Sandler films. I am so happy that we watched Big Daddy. I love this movie. And it makes me this really angry that people don't like it. Yeah, um, right now I'm riding high in the golden era of Sandler. Um, I am a little worried about uh, the Deuce Bigelow of tomorrow, but <laughs> like right now, this was just a really good movie. Um, I haven't seen it in a while, but I don't really have anything bad to say about it at all. Yeah, and I've seen parts of it for sure, but I it turns out I didn't I hadn't seen the whole movie. Supposedly, you you seem to not remember if you've seen a movie or not. And that's just like not seeing it, isn't it? I mean, I guess. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Fair. So anyhow, one thing I should start with is this is a three-star Sandlayer movie because it was written in part by Adam Sandler. It stars Adam Sandler. And... This is the last movie before they create Happy Mass in productions, so I I like to bundle it up in that Adam or into that uh, Happy Mass in productions grouping because I guess Sony produced it and Sony kind of looked out for Happy Mass and in the start I don't really know exactly, but it's a three star. Don't worry. Which is interesting to me because compared to Happy Gilmore and compared to like Billy Madison, this movie feels. And compared to Waterboy, this movie feels like so much less of an Adam Sandler movie. It feels like, like for this one, I think he could have been replaced as an actor and it wouldn't have made that much of a difference in the film. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I know they, uh, according to trivia, which anyone can write that stuff, so I don't know if it's true. They did think of a different actor at one point, um, but it was Jim Carrey, which would have been a Liar Liar was fine, but like it, Liar Liar sucks compared to Big Daddy. Um, those are yeah. basically the same movie in my mind. <laughs> but if I were but, to pick two actors that were similar during that time, I would pick Jim Carrey and Adam Sandler. Yeah, and part of the problem is on every uh, every trivia page for an Adam Sandler movie, they say they thought about picking Jim Carrey for this too. So <laughs> how true is it? Maybe they, maybe someone thought it. Um, what if the movie Twenty Three starring Adam Sandler? Do you know uh, Adam Sandler actually has the number 32 on him quite often? Oh, mm. Jim Carrey would have a field day with that one, wouldn't he? Yeah, it's probably just because of a uh, professional athlete he likes. I don't actually know. Mm. I haven't looked into it. But I think a lot of the reason this movie is good is because they had an addition to their writing team, which was Steve Franks. Do you know what uh, Steve Franks is famous for or most famous for? I don't for? know. 
I don't know anything about him. Uh, you do. It's the lead writer of Psych. Oh, I love Psych. Yeah, which um, I don't know if you see a lot of his uh comedy in this one, but like his ability to mix comedy with stuff that isn't what drama. I, I you know making emotional stuff and comedy at the same time is kind of a Steve Frank thing, in my opinion. Hmm. So probably helped him, huh? Yeah. But um, you can also see Tim Hurley's hands on, or fingers would be the better word for that, on the script a lot with uh, the fact that everyone plays lawyers. Uh, Tim Hurley apparently got a perfect score on his L-stat and then was a lawyer for a while. So, you know, lost stuff. A, I, had a, I had a pretty good L-stat score. Was it, was it perfect? No. Oh, it I really like, wanted it to be. It looks like Tim Hurley is <laughs> a step ahead. Well, he doesn't know how courts work. As I'll say later. Or did he not care because it's a movie? You know what? <laughs> you can. <laughs> I mean. You go away with that attitude. That, I, I am. That's. I'm going to cinema sins ding this movie. Don't you use that dirty name in our beautiful podcast. <laughs> I hate that shit. Uh, well, it's a three star Sandler film. You want to guess my amount of laughs? See, I don't know if you laughed more or less at this one than I'm the wedding singer. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, you laughed a bit at some of the Rob Schneider parts. 23 in honor of Jim Carrey not being in this movie. The actual answer is 37. Oh. I laughed a bunch so of times. This, you laughed the most at this movie then. Yes. And this movie gets a half point in the in the cry section. Because there's one sad moment where while no tears left my eyes, they did start forming there. I was the same way. There was a moment. If if you don't hit that, you're a monster. <laughs> if you don't watch this movie and say awe at least five times. See, you do verbally say awe when something cute happens. And I mm -hmm. don't. So I don't think that in my mind, you're doing you're doing sad laughing and like <laughs> sad laughing, like saying ah, sad laughing. It's like when you see something funny, you laugh. And when you see something sad, you say ah instead. No, I say ah for cute things, too. That's not. Yeah, sad. you do. It for cute. Things. I don't I when I see cute things, I go, OK, <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. OK, let's uh, let's recap the movie real quick. Well, do you want to tell me about like the critic scores, or do you, do you actually want to wait for that? Oh, we, yeah, we can do that now. Um, so, do you do you want to take a guess at the Rotten Tomato score, the critics one? I'm gonna be I'm gonna be mad at it. Yeah. The critics one, thirty percent, thirty nine, <sighs> compared to a seventy four for audience score. Yeah, I was gonna put it up in the eighties. It I feel like it's hard to not like this movie. I mean, I, I don't think it's a perfect movie or it's a great movie. But to say it's not a, at least a C is wild to me, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean... Yeah. Anyhow, now let's get into the recap. So, Sonny, who's played by Adam Sandler, only works one day a week at a toll booth because he won a $200,000 settlement after getting his foot run over by a taxi cab. And he has his money invested. So, he doesn't do much. He went to law school, but he never took his bar exam, and he still lives like a 20-something college kid, unlike his more mature friends who have moved on to the next phases of their life. 
He gets in a fight about this with his girlfriend, Vanessa, who's played by Christy Swanson, over him turning off her alarm. And she leaves to her parents' house to think about their relationship and for him to think about if he's going to be responsible. Later, his roommate, Kevin Garrity, who's played by Jon Stewart, is he's leaving to take a job in China. And all of his friends hold a surprise party for him, but Sonny accidentally ruins the surprise by arriving home first. Corinne, uh, who's played by Leslie Mann, is Kevin's girlfriend, and she cries about the fact that the surprise was ruined. And her sister has to coax her out of the bedroom, or out of the bathroom. I can't remember what room they were in. Bathroom. Bathroom. Sonny also accidentally interrupts Kevin's proposal to her in a very funny way. So Corinne and... Sonny have a very antagonistic relationship. Mm -hmm. He constantly reminds her of the fact that she worked at Hooters before getting her job as a doctor, uh, before finishing medical school, and she doesn't like him either. Yeah, just a bunch of normal style insults. All of them true. It's kind of like a, they kind of argue like brother and sister almost. Yeah, um, I think there's something. They tease each other. I, I know... It's kind of like we're supposed to not be sure if we like her or not. And he, Sonny, does stuff like say uh, they're only going to be together for two weeks, his best friend and this girl. And then immediately after he proposes. So I think he's purposely putting on a front because maybe he doesn't like her. Maybe. Who knows? Yeah. Well, while Kevin is leaving to China... Someone drops off a five-year-old kid at Sonny's doorstep. This is Julian, who's played by the Sprouse twins, Dylan and Cole Sprouse. And apparently he's Kevin's son, according to the note that is left with Julian. But Kevin insists on a phone call that he's never even been to Buffalo, where the kid says he's from. So Sonny goes to call so social services, but it's Columbus Day, so there no one's in the office. So he hangs out with the kid instead. Uh, the next day, he realizes that adopting this kid might convince his girlfriend that he's responsible. So he pretends to be Kevin and keeps Julia around. Uh, he talks to the social social services guy. Um, his name is Arthur, I think, right? Yeah, in the movie. He's uh, played by Josh Mostel, the principal from Billy Madison. Mm -hmm. But the next day, Sonny starts to realize that Julian is actually a handful, like a normal five-year-old kid. He makes it through the day thinking that as long as he gets Vanessa on board, it will be okay. And this will convince Vanessa that he's going to be responsible. But Vanessa turns out to be cheating on him with a much older man, a 60-year-old man. Vanessa breaks up with him, doesn't want anything to do with Julian. So Sonny tries to return the kid, but he feels bad when he learns that Julian will have to go to a group home, an orphanage essentially, before they can find a permanent family for him. And also that his mom died of cancer the night before. So he says he'll keep him until they find a permanent family. He ends up calling his dad for advice. Um, his dad is currently in Florida. But his dad says that he's going to ruin both of their lives, meaning both Julian and his life, by keeping the kid. And this pisses Sonny off because they have kind of they have an antagonistic relationship. Mm -hmm. And he says that he's going to raise Julian the opposite of how his dad did it, by letting Julian do whatever he wants. Starting with picking his own name, which becomes Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. There's a montage, a, a cute montage of things that Adam Sandler does with Julian, like Halloween, 
dressing up. What are some other? Yeah, dressing up in in funny clothes, folding uh, pizza correctly so that he can eat it, um, and yeah. learning wrestling moves. <laughs> shooting pigeons with <laughs> oh yeah he, he gives him a slingshot and tells him to like shoot cans and then after he shoots pigeons he just takes away the slingshot um yeah it's played for last Which, but it's like a messed up thing and also what every child does when they get a slingshot yeah like i know <laughs> i was told a story of my dad getting a slingshot and then hitting a burger and then being very sad about it and then even though I knew that story, I once shot at a bird with a slingshot I had. I missed, though, so it was fine. And then wow. after I shot at the bird, I was like, what if I hit it? I'd feel terrible. <laughs> Ooh. To be fair, though, I'm not uh, completely out of the woods on bird crimes. Because once a, <laughs> once a turkey did run at me in the woods and I threw my <laughs> stick I was holding at it and it just killed it. So... That's that's what growing up in the swamps of Vermont will do to you. <laughs> Just make you a cold-blooded, callous bird killer. Well, dude, turkeys are Birderer. loud and fast. People don't realize that. <laughs> so, I don't know why they'd always let out turkeys around Thanksgiving so that they'd scare me in the woods. Oh, man. <laughs> I had an ostrich so- bite me once, too. Bird crimes? <laughs> Don't want to hear bird crimes? Okay. You want to hear my bird crimes? Yes. <laughs> um, it was the day before my birthday party. And I had some people. I had my friend Jenna over. And two birds somehow got in through the window and were flying all around upstairs where my bedroom was. So these two birds were flapping around everywhere and Jenna was screaming and I was screaming. And eventually I got one of the birds out by propping up with the window and waving a blanket at it. But the other bird got stuck in between the two window panes somehow. And when I went to go try to try to open the window further, the window dropped very suddenly and, and hard and it squished the bird. <sighs> And that's my bird crime. A, that is a bird crime. Also, I killed a bat once, but all right, let's continue. <laughs> <laughs> so at the end of this montage, we meet Layla, who's played by Joey, Lauren Adams. And the keen eye would recognize her as the sister from the surprise party. A non-keen eye would, too. Like, she's a pretty recognizable actress. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah, it was mostly sarcasm, but that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> it's it's like the the joke about Columbo of you can figure out the crime beforehand. You just have to remember how it starts. <laughs> so, Sonny has used Julian to pick up women, and he obviously has trained Julian with these lines that he can say. Um, and he uses Julian to get Layla to agree to hang out with him. And they have a really cute date. They hang out. But Julian interrupts it because he needs a bedtime story. And they tell a cute bedtime story together. But Layla shoots him down for a kiss. She's just not ready. She's not in that place of her life. And her career is too busy. Yes, her career is too busy. So uh, eventually, Julian says that he wants to go to school. And because Sandler's letting him make all of his own decisions, 
he gets to go to school. Mm-hmm. And he makes friends right away, which is good because he's dressed a little weird because he also gets to choose how he wants to dress. Yeah, he's wearing a water floaties to kindergarten. Yeah, little water wings. And Sonny calls up Vanessa while he's at school. And they go on a laundromat date while she's on her lunch break because she's so busy she has to do her laundry on her lunch break. Mm-hmm. And Vanessa mentions that it's friends that influence a kid's life the most. So Sonny goes and he vets the kids because Vanessa made a joke about drug dealers and gang members. So Sonny goes there and like tries to drop hints that maybe they are drinking rum. He's like, you know what rum is? And the kid says, Rumpelstiltskin. It's very, it's a cute scene. I adore it. Mm-hmm. It's it's very adorable. And then Adam Sandler does a really good job of being a uh, slightly paranoid doting father as that scene. Yeah. He goes on another date with Vanessa to Little Italy while Sonny's two friends, well, three lawyer friends, two of whom are a couple, uh, a gay couple, yeah. which we'll talk about later yeah. too. Peter Dante and Alan Covert play a couple. One is his other lawyer friend who I never caught the name of. Mike. And who's he played by? Uh, Jonathan Lewin. Is that, that's how you say it, right? Lawfren. Lawfren, right? Yeah. The guy who played the sling blade yes. guy. Um, and then, uh, yeah, Rob Schneider is also there. Yeah, the delivery guy. Also his friend in the movie. Mm-hmm. And the social services guy actually comes over and is looking for Kevin during this time because apparently Sonny has not been returning calls. Meanwhile, Sonny has his first kiss with Vanessa. And in the next scene, it's parent day at the school. And the teacher tells him all this bad stuff about Julian. And Sonny realizes that he's let Julian become the weird smelly kid. Mm-hmm. So when he tries to get Julian to study and bathe, Julian acts out and says, you can't tell me what to do, which is, you know, the downside of letting your kid do whatever they want. So Sonny dresses up like Scuba Steve's dad. Scuba Steve is Julian's favorite toy. Sonny dresses up like Scuba Steve's dad, complete with flippers and, a, and an oxygen tank. And he convinces Julian to bathe and study so he can become part of the scuba squad in a very, an, again, very adorable scene, very reminiscent of Santa Claus, you know? Yeah. Um, Julian works on his school play and he, he does well because he wants to be part of the scuba squad. And he, the play is about the founding fathers and he plays Ben Franklin. And things are looking really great. This is very cute. What a cute, happy family. How could the movie go wrong? The social services guy comes back and he has learned that Sonny is not Kevin and threatens basically Sonny with arrest because this is kidnapping and also fraud. Mm -hmm. So Sonny has to give up Julian and Julian, this is the scene where you might cry. Julian cries thinking that he did something wrong and promises like not to do all these things that made him bad. When he's leaving, he says, but I wipe my own ass. It's... (laughs) Which is like the only reason you probably don't cry in this scene is because they end it with a joke so that you're not just super sad for the rest of the movie. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's so sad. I mean, like. The Sprouse twins are just very good little kid actors. I I do think that this uh, specific scene, I can see people not having an emotional reaction to it. But anyone who knows the kind of realities of how social services does work and how often this type of thing does happen, uh, like 
it's a very realistic portrayal. Mm. My mom worked as a social securities, uh, not social security, social security emergency uh, liaison, basically, for many years in my youth. So I've heard many of these stories from, uh, I guess, second person. Sunny files a motion to get custody of Julian, and he asks Layla to help represent him in court. And she says no, because she has a case to do in Washington. But everyone else shows up, including his three lawyer buddies. Layla eventually shows up, and so does Kevin. Back from China. So everyone is there. Yeah, Kevin comes back from China. And even Sonny's dad has flown into New York to see this case, even though he's not representing him. Yeah, he's His in dad the... still does not want him to have a kid. I-, I wanted to say he's in the audience, but what do you actually call that part of the court? I don't know. Let's just call it the audience. Yeah, I've been in the audience to a few court stuff before. Studio audience. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> there is a there are scenes where witnesses are being questioned about Sonny's care of Julian, including a homeless guy played by Steve Buscemi, including the delivery guy. These are mostly played for laughs. The one that's not played for laughs is when Adam Sandler gets up on the stand and he has his dad question him. And also before that, Julian gets up on the stand and Layla questions him. Mm-hmm. But during the questioning scene where Sonny is being questioned by his dad, his dad brings up all this stuff from his past, like all his fuck ups from his past, and eventually says that he he shouldn't be a dad. He's not fit to be a father. But Sonny says, it's okay to be scared, but you don't have to be scared for me being a dad because there's no way I can mess this up because I love Julian. And it's very heart wrenching. It's very heartfelt. And the dad has a change of heart. And says that that Sonny should get Julian. Mm -hmm. But the judge says that Sonny should be in jail because he technically kidnapped Julian and the bailiff starts putting handcuffs on him. And this is actually what would never actually be able to happen in a court because a civil case versus a criminal case. Yeah. But whatever. Um, But Kevin steps up and he says that he's the dad and he's going to get custody. He gets granted custody and Sonny doesn't get arrested. Yeah, he says he refuses to press charges. Yeah. Because he's <clears throat> dead. So fast forward a year and three months, I believe it is. A year, six months, and three days? No, a one year, three months, six days? Thank you. Everyone is going out to eat at Hooters for Sonny's birthday, and he has a kid with, uh, kid with Layla. I'll point out it's a surprise party. It is a surprise party. It's full circle. Mm-hmm. He has a baby with Layla. Corinne and Kevin are good parents to Julian. Everyone hangs out, and it's happily ever after. And he sees Vanessa with her 60-year-old boyfriend working at Hooters. Yeah. The end. Yes. And now, there's a few things I think we want to talk about, but I think the the theme of this one is pretty easy to kind of to suss out. Um, and I, I don't really think that many people will have missed most of it, because fatherhood is a huge theme in this. But that's the title of the movie is Big Daddy. Yeah, that's easy. We all get that. Um, Also, the different types of family with, you know, and how you treat your father and stuff like that. Um, That could be interesting to talk about. Don't think it super is. I think we get that a earnest film about being a good father is can be interesting, but not really. I want to talk about (laughs) uh, more Peter Dante. Alan Covert, and basically gay relationships in this movie. 
yeah, this this movie, as we always talk about, <laughs> is about homosexuality. And, and and it treats it in a very good way. This is a really good movie about gay relationships and and gay families. Yeah. Um something that we didn't really talk about is uh the relationship between Peter Dante and Alan Covert. They play a gay couple in this movie and it is the first movie I ever saw where a gay couple was not played for laughs. Yeah, they are not played for laughs. The first time they kiss, they it, it's just played like it would be a heterosexual relationship. The only difference is there is their third friend who keeps saying that it's weird, but Adam Sandler's character keeps saying that it's not. Everything yeah. is normal. It's it's played really well. They show that this other guy is kind of a stick in the mud. Yeah, they, they don't even give him a last name. He's... Him and the villain, Vanessa, are the only people without last names in the movie. Also, I'll throw it out there. Vanessa's last name probably starts with a V, so. <laughs> probably. But uh, th- there's a lot of good quotes from Sonny of, uh, you know, someone's like, someone mentions the fact that uh, they weren't openly gay in college. And he's like, how do you think about it now? He's like, same way we always do. They just watch a different kind of porn. Like. Nothing in his life changes to this, and they really, they bring a little bit of attention to it, but honestly not that much for what you would assume based on how comedies go, having a gay couple in 1999 would go. Mm-hmm. They, again, they're just played like a normal couple. Yeah, I think. They are good parent, uh, parental figures, too. Yeah, they actually are, they're the ones who are grounded and give Sonny good advice there is one part where they're giving good advice to Sonny where Sonny is describing how he wants to have a baby with Vanessa in order to keep them together. Um, as to a ref- their relationship. Yeah, the relationship together. Um, as a reflection of, I guess, bad advice given to women about having a baby to save a marriage or whatever. Which is advice that was given to Drew Barrymore's character in The Wedding Singer. Oh, I forgot about that, yeah. Um, and they talk about how that is a terrible idea and that you shouldn't do it. And he tries it anyway and fails, of course. But uh, yeah, mm-hmm. they're, they're there to give good advice. They're strong role models. They are not afraid to have affection in front of each other and to talk about people uh, in a positive way in front of each other. And they have a good relationship. They don't do anything that you might see in a 90s movie that makes them stereotypically gay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would argue like they act less, quote unquote, stereotypically gay than Adam Sandler's character in Bulletproof does. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Um, they're both lawyers. They're both wearing suits, I think, the entire movie. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and they're yeah, both just clean shaven, like short-haired guys in this yeah and for 1999 that is so big and uh even they have a point where sony the in a joke says something about uh he he supports them being able to get married you should support me on this idea um even though it's a bad idea the (laughs) whole getting julian as a kid to stay with vanessa but like he even openly says he supports gay marriage in 1999, which I think a lot of people did, but it didn't have, you know, America's support at that time. Right. 
I think that their being in this movie is the biggest clue that they did want to get this theme, mm. this very queer theme story of found families mm. too, and and raising a child as a community as well. Yeah, especially when you see the scenes of when he's on a date, all four of these men taking care of this kid together. Um, and basically just being nice and like having fun with a child to give him like a support structure and some, and Sonny a day off of being a father so that he can do stuff. It's, it's like a very good message. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Um, there was also a few little things, uh, that we noticed there's Julian picking a new name. That we found interesting. Julian wears a rainbow pin at one point in the movie. And yeah, not even just a rainbow pin, but a rainbow flag pin, like a gay pride pin. And uh, he picks uh, outfits that are different from the norm, I guess. Mm -hmm. And he's mm -hmm. happy doing it. I think it's also worth noting that this movie allows a father to take on a very caring parenting role. And it allows the leading the the leading female actress to take on what is traditionally more of the masculine role in the movie in that she is the career-oriented one who's not ready for a relationship. Mm. I, I really enjoy that. I think that that is, it's nice to see a man allowed to be sweet and, and paternal. Yeah. And not... In, in a very typically maternal And uh, the fact that they point out specifically um, that there is a style of parenting that used to happen where basically it's my rules under my house and you'll do it my way stuff, which they thought that that was the best way to do it and they understand that, but it's not necessarily good. Um, it's shown that the homeless character started a kind of downward spiral with drug abuse due to the overbearingness of the father being a military man who like tried to shave his head while he was sleeping and stuff like that. Um, it, it does mm -hmm. show that there is, you know, negatives of bad parenting um, and specifically bad per father parenting. Yeah. I definitely do think that this is, it's, it's such a queer story. I, many, Many gay people and many other people in the LGBTQ community will recognize themes of this story. Picking your own name is a huge thing for the trans community, of course, but just for the gay community at large. Being able to wear the clothes that you want to wear, as we mentioned before, and just being raised by a bunch of a bunch of role models instead of a traditional family. I, I, all of this is is just key in this movie and i think that it was on purpose because of the presence of peter dante and alan covert's characters it keys you in onto it right away because they kiss in one of the first scenes yeah at the party in the opening mm -hmm. and and i i felt bad because i am so keyed for this in comedy that i was expecting some part of their relationship to be played for laughs at some part in the movie because mm -hmm. most comedy movies do that. So I kept expecting that. And I was like, 
in the back of my mind, I think I had a wince ready for me to be like, oh, why, why would they throw that dumb joke in? But they never did, so that was nice. Mm-hmm. No, they never did. The closest that they come to it is when, I think it was Peter Dante's character, maybe it was Alan Kovitz, I can't remember. One of them said something about Brad Pitt being hot, and that was it. Yeah, he is on TV with like 12 abs. <laughs> I mean, when I see him on TV, I think I say the same thing, so. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, as as a nice transition, do you ha- do you want to point out the name of julian that julian picked for himself (laughs) yeah he picks the name frankenstein for himself and i think that this is very symbolic because frankenstein of course please don't get me started on frankenstein versus frankenstein's monster whatever but frankenstein also kind of being this very queer story in the first place but frankenstein is a conglomerate of different people just like a kid is a conglomerate of all the people that are around him or her or them and inspire them. And they also point out that the biggest influences on someone's life are their friends. A kid becomes who they're friends with, basically. No, that's true. It is another horror reference. They also watch Young Frankenstein on TV at one point. And then they also have a psycho poster in Sonny's house. Where? I didn't see it. It's, it there's a lot of stuff in Sonny's house. His He has the coolest apartment known to man. He does. But uh, other than the that little reference, um, there's still that thing with Sonny's name ends in a Y or IE sound that is true of every seemingly character he ever will play. But I got uh, this next section. We, we understand themes and motifs of this one. It's pretty easy. I want to talk about some stuff uh, since this movie will make a ton of money. And then they start Happy Madison Productions now that they have all this money. I want to talk about some of the bigger ideas surrounding Adam dislikes, or the dislike of Adam Sandler. All right, let's hear it. So, first off, you want to guess how much money this made? Was it a flop? Please tell me it wasn't a flop. Oh, it's not a flop. Did it make $150 million? On a budget of $34 million estimated, it made $234 million. Dang! They made bank on this film. How much of that was from the lovely McDonald's product placement? Uh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if they're paid for product placement. It's impossible to figure that out. I've tried. I, w- I want to get into that in a sec. So that quote I picked from the beginning of... The episode, um, he taught me that Styx was one of the greatest American rock bands. They only caught a bad rap because most critics are cynical assholes. At this point, I think we're seeing a lot of how Adam Sandler and Tim Hurley might be seeing critical reviews. Because I went and cherry-picked a few reviews of this movie. And, like, I can't say anything other than they're cynical assholes. They're just, they're garbage (laughs) And, like, reading them made me angry because it's as if they watched a different movie or, like, had something better to do with their time than what they chose to do, which was review movies. And I get 1999 was a really good year for movies, but, like... You did come to bed really mad about Roger yeah, Ebert. <laughs> you just, you came in and you're like, Roger Ebert. And <laughs> just out of nowhere. <laughs> First off... Adam Sandler uh, got a Razzie for worst actor from this movie. 
I thought he did well. Yeah. Um, He's not the best actor in the world, but it, he, I usually notice really bad acting. The movie Existence came out this same year. You're telling me Adam Sandler was worse than that? Nope. Wait, Existence is a movie and not just like a Existence penis pill? is a uh, movie that came out after The Matrix, which was Matrix Light, and it's terrible. It uses a flesh computer to play video games. All right, but l- let me let me shoot some uh, reviews at you. Okay. And an essentially mean-spirited comedy. Wait. Yeah, right? Mean-spirited? Mean-spirited. Toward whom? The only character that they're mean to is Corinne. Yeah. And I get it. The way that they insult her is misogynistic. Mm-hmm. To a large degree. I wish that they didn't do that. I wish there was some kind of reconciliation. But... Yeah, I mean, she plays a good mother at the end, and he likes her. Yeah. Um, I, I do think that they... They don't need to make fun of her as a Hooters waitress as much as he does. But I think it's kind of this point where he only has one thing to ever make fun of her for. And it's because she has big boobs because she essentially doesn't do anything else wrong other than they don't like each other. Yeah, she's a doctor. It also shows kind of how he's caught in the past and isn't really moving forward. Yeah, when they met, she was doing this, and now she's a doctor, and he's still making fun of her for it. I do still think it is misogynistic to make fun of people who work at Hooters anyway, Anyway, but I don't think oh, that, yeah. that means the whole movie is mean-spirited. Do you have a clip from that review that says why it's mean-spirited? Uh, no, nah, I'm, I'm just going to continue on, because uh, there, there's worse ones. Oh, no. How to ridicule poor minimum wage clerks. That was That was their tagline. Okay. Like, I'm thinking maybe they're talking about when they go to McDonald's and Adam Sandler doesn't know how to handle a crying child, so he's yelling at someone to get him a Happy Meal. Is that it? I don't... I don't know. Uh, uh. Um, th- This one I find hilarious uh, from our point of view. Uh-huh. After seeing how, how funny and talented uh, SNL alumni mike myers is it's a shame to see adam sandler in the mud or i didn't write down the end but <laughs> how unfunny adam sandler is i'm like man just wait yeah. i don't know if, i don't know if you've seen love guru but that is the worst movie i've ever seen in my life but justin timberlake is in that movie he talks about making the canadian pizza or canadian pie. i don't remember what it was but there with a little ketchup on it i love that that's great uh, this movie tries to please beer guzzlers and their dates what? and does neither. That's yeah. a sexist take. Yeah. And then it shifts from comedy to pathos, missing the point, its point completely. Um, I don't really think it does that. I think that's just kind of a lame way to sound smart. Oh, and then uh, the, the probably most mean-spirited critic is Joey Lauren Adams has a smile stuck on her face. So much in this movie, it reminds me of Jack Nicholson's Joker. That's rude. Yeah. She's just a like, pleasant-looking woman. Yeah, who, like, smiles. But yeah, so, like, this this thing about liking sticks, which is kind of a goofy band a lot of people shit on, um, who also, you know, have some bangers. That's That's a secret people don't want to talk about. That Come Sail Away is a sick song, but I think they put this in because, like, critics have hated all their movies so far, and 
audiences like them and they're popular and they want them to keep making them. And I think we're going to see that they're never going to give a shit about critics ever again. Yeah, I mean, why would you at this point? I mean, also, looking at all these critics, not a single one, even the positive reviews, which there weren't that many because, you know, it was like in the 30s. uh, Even the positive reviews don't mention the fact that, like, it had a decent message or, like, the fact that it was about found family or, you know, they, they made some good points about homosexual relationships and stuff like that none of them get what any of these movies are about and again maybe we're the only ones who are seeing this apparently i don't think that we are seriously how how could we be the only ones and it doesn't matter anyway because you know death of the author right yeah i just think <laughs> like it, it is it is wild how literally she, like the critics are being so shitty to them they're being cynical assholes and i i probably don't come across like this on this podcast but i'm known for being a cynical asshole like i don't like a lot of things but in general when people create stuff and put any effort into it and aren't coming from a place of hate i can kind of like it i at least won't shit on it and uh maybe i am going to agree with critics in the future when we get through some more of these movies we are watching deuce bigelow next yeah but i don't think i'm gonna like that movie this movie big daddy was just so cute it is pleasant to watch there were legitimately touching moments and except for the misogynistic insults to the hooters waitress like and only specifically to that one. They show other waitresses in a good light. Um, Adam Sandler would go on to marry one of the waitresses in this movie. Uh, not that that's equivalent to marrying a waitress, but... You mean the actress who plays one of the waitresses, not the actual... <laughs> you made it sound like yeah. Sonny was going to marry one. Yeah, no, I mean Adam Sandler marries one of the actors who plays a waitress in this movie. That doesn't really mean anything. That's kind of besides my point but uh like they don't they don't make waitresses in general seem bad no it's it is in my opinion them showing off their elitism of all being lawyers talking mm-hmm. down to because i mean sunny was shown to be rich and was raised rich and they mentioned in college uh his character and john stewart's character flew out to some canadian city for Toronto. one time Toronto, mm-hmm. which New York to Toronto, not super far, but like for a hockey game, that's that's an expense. Um, That wasn't great. They don't portray women like super negatively in this movie either, too, because Layla is a she's a lawyer for the Sierra Club. Vanessa, at the beginning, she's a party planner, so she has a career at the beginning. The, the judge is a woman, a black woman, I should add. It's it passes the Bechdel test. And it doesn't treat poor people poorly either because the homeless man is portrayed in a very good light. He's portrayed as someone who isn't homeless because he's a bad person, but because of the circumstances that happened to him. Yeah, and he's also noticeably articulate throughout the entirety of it. Mm-hmm. Like, he's not... Like, they play homeless people as jokes and drunks in most comedies, and yeah. he was neither in this. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah. the final thing I want to talk about 
is product placement. Because this is the movie that starts a lot of people's go-to insult of Happy Madison Productions and Adam Sandler. Uh, the product placement within movies. You know, I'm going to be honest. Until we started this podcast, I had never heard of this. And I haven't seen this in the wild. Yes. Um, I I am looking out for reviews of uh, his movies at this point. I- I'm specifically avoiding them. I'm, I'm waiting until after the movie to do so. Mm. But um, especially movies we've already discussed. I, I'm reading reviews of. I'm reading internet board discussions which is always a terrible idea but it is i want to see what people are saying and there's this theme of people saying they're just trying to sell products that's where they get all their money and it's terrible why would you make a movie with that stuff and there's two sides to this um one using a product in a film can be bad it is advertisement i'm not necessarily against advertisement but i'm certainly not for advertisement but like going to mcdonald's in my mind is not like an advertisement that's something real people do Mm -hmm. especially like i woke up early i'm trying to get mcdonald's breakfast i haven't woken up this early in 10 years i've i've said that to my friends not the 10 years thing but like we're like Man, let's go get some McDo's breakfast because that's what we call it. We call it McDo's because our Irish friend can't say Donald good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually like that line a lot. There's a cute scene where Adam Sandler is talking about how he remembers his dad going with him to get the very first day of McDonald's breakfast. And he says, you kids have a lucky boys grown up with McDonald's breakfast. And then I think today, like we have all day McDonald's breakfast now. Yeah, I, I do find that funny. Um, there's some other uh, product placement in this. Well, I, I'm going to call it product placement. It, it's just products that are in the movie. Yeah. Um, I, I searched. I cannot find any um, proof that they're paid to do this. And that, like, I don't know if there would be proof at some point, but, and I'm sure they would be paid to do it later. Um, one thing I, I don't... I'm going to say I don't really care that much until it's an issue within the movie itself. Um, the stuff like in the movie Transformers, when they make new Autobots out of an Xbox and a Mountain Dew. <laughs> yeah, I have an issue with that. That makes no goddamn sense. Um, or maybe it does. Transformers doesn't make sense. It's fine, probably. But someone's <laughs> like, I saw people angry at the fact that he calls it SpaghettiOs. I'm like. Okay, or you can call it, you know, get me some spaghetti circles. Children, <laughs> children eat spaghettios. They do. They were at a grocery store, and they're throwing the cans. They don't even eat the spaghettios. Yeah, and then they're like, "Well, they mentioned Hooters a ton of times." I'm like, disparagingly though, like, yeah, they go there for a party, but like they're they're not saying like, "Oh, everyone should eat at Hooters." They're making fun of someone for working there. So I'm like. I understand the any advertisements, good advertisement stuff, but like, I don't know. Uh, the ethics of product placement, I'm, I'm grappling with because is it better to just have products and be upfront about the fact that you might take money for it? Or should we have commercials or should we have off brands that kind of are weird in stories that are supposed to be somewhat realistic? I mean, it just, 
it feels like they're holding these movies to a standard that you might hold high art. <laughs> I don't. No one is looking at an Adam Sandler film, even us who are really dissecting these movies now. No one's holding Adam Sandler films to the to the same level as like an Oscar nominated movie for the most part. I mean, I guess you could talk about Uncut Gems, but mm-hmm. whatever. It's okay to have some products in your movie. It's not debasing an art. Certainly not when we're talking about Adam Sandler. Now, if I were a very serious poet and I suddenly started taking paid advertisement, yeah, I'd be selling out. Maybe just don't take me seriously anymore. I don't know. As a person who's anti-capitalist, this is an anti-corporation too. It is a weird gray issue for me, gray area issue, but so far, I haven't, it hasn't interfered with the movie. It hasn't debased even the Adam Sandler movie. Yeah, that's, the thing is, I just can't, I, I, I looked at a lot of academic papers on this whole thing. Mm-hmm. I was trying to find some stuff on the ethics of product placement. Um, there's a lot on the efficiency of product placement, which is basically, it does kind of work. It's, you know, that's all right. Um, and I learned how much commercials cost, so there's that. But like, A, we don't know how much they're making from this. After this movie, technically, I guess, Adam Sandler could have retired rich and never have done work again. But I think there's a lot to be said about the fact that after this movie, he and Alan Covert make Happy Madison Productions, and then they are able to employ a lot of people. I know a lot of people give uh, Adam Sandler shit for basically having nine or ten of his friends make movies in, you know, tropical getaways for millions of dollars all the time. Um, I think they're forgetting how many people make movies. Yeah. Like, like hundreds. It's easy to forget, especially when, you know, it's not like they put all these names at the end of a movie or anything. But the thing is... I, I'm not a huge, I'm not going to say being a boss makes you like good and making jobs makes you good, but is product placement bad if like, he's not lying to anyone about it. That's the thing is he didn't say that like, I hate McDonald's and then he took money from McDonald's and then he mentioned it in his movie. It seems to just be stuff he already kind of eats and uses he seems like a guy who would eat spaghettios. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't I don't have a good answer. All consumption under capitalism is unjust. But like if you're going to shit on the fact that Big Daddy <laughs> goes to McDonald's, I think there's a lot more problems with the fact that you're watching a movie right now. Like <laughs> Well, this podcast yeah. episode is brought to you by our sponsor, McDonald's and Raytheon where they're working on a missile that can bring you Big Daddy directly to your eyes. And <laughs> McDonald's. <laughs> and McDonald's, a McDonald's subsidy Raytheon. of Raytheon. <laughs> <laughs> McDonald's and Raytheon are teaming up to provide excellent Happy Meal toys. Uh, yeah, a small intercontinental ballistic missile in Just every meal. Just a one. Yeah. Yeah, doesn't do much damage. It's fine. <laughs> well... Uh, We don't have sponsors, but we do have a Patreon if you would like to support our podcast or support our game design. We make anti-capitalist games. Actually, like, that that sounds like a joke from what we just said, and that's what we do. Yeah, it is what we actually do. 
And you can find that Patreon at patreon.com slash wannabegames or all of our games at wannabegames.com, or at least links to them. You can also find this podcast at Laugh at Him Pod on Twitter, and you can find me on Twitter at, at Joska. And you can find me at Kitty Crusade. It would really help us out if you would subscribe and rate our podcast on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this, just to spread the word. And just tweet out into the abyss, like, your opinion on Adam Sandler, and then just link us at the bottom. Get some arguments started with your friends. I want you to text your best friend and say, I think Adam Sandler blanks, and then see what they say in response. And if you tag us in any of this, I guarantee you that if you're the first person to tag us, we will argue on your side. <laughs> no matter what side it is. Yes. Within unless reason. it's yeah. yeah, within reason. <laughs> um <laughs> so next tomorrow. Uh, man, I I really want to say next week every time, but it's tomorrow. <laughs> next uh, tomorrow. Next tomorrow, we will be watching the one star sand layer movie and the first movie out of Happy Madison Productions, du Rob Schneider is Deuce Bigelow, male gigolo. Oh no! <laughs> Ugh, right? It hurts a little. Uh, I'm. I am not excited. <laughs> you knew what you were getting into. I yeah. I, I did say though the Rob Schneider series was gonna be my roughest area. Ah, well, you know, Rob Schneider's famous line that he says is the townie in all these movies. I can't. Please do it. take my wife. Oh, no, you got me. Fuck. <laughs> 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 Ooh.